0: So good morning, how are you this morning? We're excited to begin a new series with you this morning. So if you have your Bible with you, we hope that you have a Bible with you. If you don't have a Bible with you and you wanna use one, raise your hand and an usher will give you a Bible. We're going to be going into a study from the book of 1 John. So if you would open your Bible to First John. It's towards and we, we the... We actually
1: hope that you read uh, this a couple of times as we go through the study. Sure. Because young. it'll benefit you for Absolutely, sure. Absolutely, yeah.
0: So everybody there in First John, it's going to take us a little while. We're going to introduce the book, give a little bit of history of the background of the book before we actually read into the first chapter. Uh, so let's just pray before we begin. Father, we thank you for your word. Yes. Thank you that it's an anchor to our soul. Thank you that it's a guiding light. It's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And so we ask you, Holy Spirit, you are the teacher. <clears throat> You're the guide. Guide us this morning. I pray, Lord, that as we minister your word, <clears throat> that our voices, Pastor Steve and our voice, decrease your voice, Holy Spirit, in the hearts of all of us, increase. Yes. May we hear your voice and be doers of your word, that you may bless us, Lord, in our doing. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So we want to begin by just giving you a little bit of background to the epistle of First John, walking in the light of God's word. Uh, the letter, this letter, is only five chapters. Uh, it was written by the apostle John. He was one of the 12 apostles of Jesus. And uh, he also wrote 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. Those are just two smaller epistles, only like a, a chapter or two long. Uh, he wrote the Gospel of John. And this is the apostle who was given the revelation of Jesus Christ. He wrote the book of Revelation. And so I just think about all those things that he saw and heard and wrote about. What a remarkable life the apostle John lived. Can you just imagine? He experienced remarkable things with Jesus. He. He began in scripture, they called him James and John. He was the brother of James. James and John in scripture were called the sons of thunder. Jesus labeled them the sons of thunder. They worked uh, before they followed Jesus. They worked with their father Zebedee. Mm -hmm. They were successful businessmen. So they had a, a family business fishing with their father. But when Jesus appeared on the scene and his ministry began and he saw them and he said, come and follow me. Scripture says, at once, at or once. immediately, mm-hmm. they left everything. They left their nets, they left their boats.
1: Their dad, their, their family.
0: dad, yeah. And all their financial security, think about it, and said, we'll follow you, Jesus. And so they, they were sold out. He was sold out. The Amen. Apostle John was sold out from the beginning. I just think that says so much to us about him. So he wrote First uh, John. Well, he wrote the Gospel of John first, really. His writings, like Jesus died and rose from the dead around 33 AD. And then the writings, they say, for John, the Gospel of John was probably at 85 AD. So about 50-some years later, he writes the Gospel of John. And that got circulated among the churches. And then uh, the book of Revelation was written, as we... Most of us know he was sentenced as a prisoner for the preaching of the word mm-hmm. by the Roman government. He was sent there for about 18 months on a little island off of Greece there, the Isle of And this is where he received the revelation by the Holy Spirit and wrote the book of Revelation. And 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John were written from the city of Ephesus which is really where John lived most of his life. Right. Um, he eventually died in Ephesus and was buried there. John was one of the only apostles that we know of that actually lived his whole life and didn't die as a martyr, which is pretty amazing when you think about that, that the other died as martyrs. And so John wrote 1 John, the book of 1 John, while living in the city of Ephesus, uh, where it was believed that he functioned also, he was an apostle, but he, right. he wrote this book, like 1 John, is like a sermon, like a pastoral. So he fun- kind of functioned as a pastor in that way. And so John, having lived in Ephesus, would be really familiar with the beginnings of the church there because actually the apostle Paul, years ago, I think like about 30 years Before. prior, yeah, on his second missionary journey, to that area, established the church in Ephesus. And so the Apostle John lived there, was familiar with it. Even Timothy was a pastor there in Ephesus at some point.
1: This was a large church. It was a
0: large church, yeah. And so Ephesus, we know, began originally was a very pagan city filled with immorality, pagan practices, Uh greed, businesses, all of those kinds of things. And the people worshiped the goddess Artemis, some translations say the goddess Diana. She was considered the queen of heaven. And, um, but when the gospel came to that city, everything changed. The, many people turned their hearts to Christ and the city experienced this really great revival. And all kinds of supernatural manifestations began taking place, like the sick were being healed, demons were cast out of people, new believers who had practiced Magic arts, you know, in the book of Acts, it says they brought all their books and, they, and all their things that they practiced magic arts with and, and threw them in a big bonfire in front of everybody in the city and the town square. So people heard the gospel. Yeah. They saw people's lives getting changed and the the church was so passionate when it began. Uh, about sharing the gospel that riots were breaking out in the streets you know the silversmiths the, the the pagan businesses that were creating these little silver idols of diana that people could take with them and no. sit in their home and worship diana in their home well people weren't buying them anymore <laughs> and the silversmiths as the story you know we read in acts were upset about it they were suffering money loss and so this was causing a lot of commotion in ephesus
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> so that this this was the picture of of the early church there that was that began there
1: yes, yeah, so it, it really, in a sense, was uh, vibrant, very vibrant, very alive, and more and more converts were coming into Christianity and walking away from their uh, hedonistic practices. But when John writes this, this is about 40 years later, he, the next generation of Christians are, are coming in. Yeah. And you, you find that these are the children of the original people that were mm-hmm. saved or grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And so we're looking at a next generation of these people. And the glory and, so to speak, the brightness of the early days and the newness of it all, it kind of worn off. And the, the thrill and the glory kind of faded away and now this generation you know was serving god but you know what had happened it had become the norm and so it was just what you did is go to church it's the thing to do you go to church is when i was growing up that's just like you thought i mean i thought everybody in the world went to church on sunday because everybody i knew went to church on sunday But what was happening is they were just going through the motions as a church. You know, it looked really good outwardly. And, you know, that's still happening today. But something had really faded. And what happened is that what faded was their uh, edginess and their desire for the relationship with this personal Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God. And we know that this kind of faded because... Jesus himself in the book of Revelation, which John wrote, uh, rebuked the church at Ephesus, the one we're talking yeah. about, uh, and they said that, you know, yeah, you look good on the outside, but what you need to do is return to your first love. He's saying, wake up and return to your first love. And so that's still a challenge for us, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's a warning to us also, because. We, ourselves, we can see this today. You know, it's it's really the same problem that John addressed. And it's easy to get caught up, isn't it, to the daily life. And, you know, you just kind of start rolling with everything. And the, your schedule starts getting packed. And you start going on, you know. But, you know, you get to church. You know, you, you're still here almost out of obligation. You, and you're just kind of like okay sing a few songs yes yes listen to this yes greet some people you know and pray a little here pray a little there but what happens is this casual lukewarmness comes over our heart and we have to be aware of this because we can't allow that to happen because i would hate to stand before jesus and him say return to your first love ogle I'd be saying, "Whoa!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you need to stay sharp, folks. We need to stay sharp. And this was the this was really the problem that was confronting the church. It wasn't that the persecution; however, this church suffered tremendous persecution and overcame it. But what was happening now? It was this lukewarm. Heart was coming into the church and it was causing people to kind of like, oh, we're good, we're comfortable. And, you know, the commitment to the original word of God was fading. The teachings of Christ were, yeah, we know that kind of idea. And false teachers were in the plenty. They were everywhere. That's the biggest danger of the church that was happening. It wasn't from the outside, it was from the inside. It was the seduction of the inside of the routine. Everybody's wanting something new. (laughs) You know, remember Jesus in Matthew 24, he says, hey, he says false Christ, false prophets will arise. They're gonna show great signs and wonders. And don't they want to deceive you and lead astray the very elect, if that was yeah. even possible. that's matthew
0: twenty four twenty
1: four yeah. yeah. And then in Paul himself, who started this church, warned the elders of the church. when Paul was leaving, he was there for about two and a half years or so. And then he was leaving to go continue his missionary journeys. And he warned them. He said this to them. This is Acts. Uh, Acts 20, verse 29. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Acts 20. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll get it there. I just get rolling. And I just want, I'll help you out as best I can. <laughs> he said this. Paul's talking to the elders of this church. He's saying this. He's warning us. Just like what Jesus warned us also. He's saying, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you. Among you. Not sparing the flock. And from among your own cells will arise men speaking twisted things. To draw away the disciples after themselves. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, so John writes this letter, you know, not so much talking about the danger of outside persecution, yes, right. which was happening, but his concern was more of the danger of what was happening on the inside of the church, that it was, there was this danger of it being changed from within right. by false teachers and heresies that would infiltrate inside of the church.
1: Not being destroyed, but changed.
0: But just change it. And infiltration can be a pretty powerful thing. Come on now. And so what was the teaching at the time that was mainly addressed was this teaching called Gnosticism. And Gnostic, it's a heretical teaching that was gaining ground in the church. Like, so, okay, what is Gnosticism? It's, it's kind of hard to describe. What, after studying it a little bit, it's like, I don't really know how to describe this someone said it's it's like trying it's about as easy to nail down as a flopping fish and i thought that's kind of the way it is like what is gnosticism so i'm going to give you my best attempt okay gnosticism is spelled k-n-o-s you know to schism and that means to know right gnosis means yeah to know and so this was the big deal about gnosticism seeking knowledge higher like mystical knowledge of God, of the universe, the higher spirit realm, Mm -hmm. so that you would have this higher consciousness and understand all things. And so the Gnostics of the day believed that Jesus came to bring higher knowledge, you know, because Jesus said he talked about truth, so they believed, yeah, he did bring knowledge of the spirit, but he was just a human, and that he attained this high enlightenment through Gnosis, these other mystical means, and then he taught his disciples this way. And so the reason that it was dangerous, of course, to the church is that it resisted acknowledgement of a supreme God, like Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Mm -hmm. No one's coming to the Father but through me. And that there was judgment for sin. We all know what the gospel really is about. There was judgment for sin. Well, the Gnostics didn't really believe that sin was man's main problem it was knowledge once you attain knowledge because they just didn't believe that the physical body had much worth that you would sin in your physical body but it was what you knew that would help you to attain higher levels right and so for them sin wasn't man's problem it was like let's learn new ways of knowledge okay
1: actually be there was no sin
0: yeah and so we, again, like to them, Jesus came and brought knowledge, but not to deal. They wouldn't go as far as to say he came to deal with sin in the human heart. Right. All right. So this is why John writes, we're going to see, you know, if we, ha- if we say we have no sin, then we deceive ourselves.
1: Come on. <laughs> so he's, when he's saying these
0: things, like he's addressing that Gnostic thinking, like right. if you say you have no sin, well, this is the basis of the human dilemma, you know, that you're deceiving yourself. And right. so in our day, like, is there Gnosticism around now? I, I suppose if you understand any form of Luciferian thought where there's this enlightenment that you're following. Right. Lucifer, who they don't really believe is Satan, but I mean, that's another whole teaching. Or New Age right. thinking. Right. The New Age thinker says that there's a spark of the divine, of course, in the universe because there's, you know, there's life there and there's a spark of the divine. in in every human, and so we can through mystical means, our own means, it's man-centered, I can find my way if I seek these mystical things. Like Cabal. Like Cabal, and you know, we talked about crystals and different things people are searching after if I, you know, the energy of the universe to enlighten me. And it's all still, you know, about, it's about knowing truth but it's not going through Jesus and his word. Right. And it's just really all takes you back to the Garden of Eden and when you think about it, because that was the same temptation
1: that go. the devil
0: used with Eve. You know, if you partake of that tree of knowledge, you know, you'll be more like God. You'll be, you'll be higher. You'll get higher. And so John's writing, you know, to keep the family of believers on track. Yes. Because of the false prophets and the teachers that were in the church, inside the church, coming in, talking, you know, persuading people that this is actually the way to find truth. And so really, when you think about it, if you cannot destroy something from the outside, infiltration is powerful. It works powerfully. And so the devil, think about his scheme dealing with an entire culture now, you know, in the minds of people in Ephesus who were followers, if you're holding, if these people are holding to the beliefs in the word of God, it becomes harder to destroy that unity Mm -hmm. if people are unified on it, right? There's a bond that comes and a strength that comes with that kind of unity in your values and your beliefs. A fellowship. It's, It's true in a larger group. It's true in your family. Like, I look at this and I think this is really how the devil has schemed to ruin families to infiltrate family beliefs and break it down in the children against the parents and, and it'll destroy, it will destroy that bond. And so if you slowly infiltrate from within, it's, it's a powerful influence. Like Jesus warned, a little leaven.
1: Yep, there you are.
0: What does it do? It leavens the whole lump, like yeast going through bread. It'll affect everything. <laughs> and the, the false teachings, the heresies that take root in a church, you know, things begin to weaken from within. The power of Christ, even working among us, is greatly weakened. Boy, that's and it's sure. much easier to just bring it down. You could see that happening. You read about it. You know, in the history of the church. You look out in the world today, in the church, and today, and you see the same thing happening.
1: Yeah, we. See, this has
0: always been his scheme.
1: Well, has always been his scheme, and we can see yeah. this is it's proof in our culture today. Yeah. You know, Christian values that built this, this the strength of this country and, and the families of this country, you yeah. know. And we take a look right now and we see the rapid changes in the last two years of, of let's say, cultural norms. And, and we keep thinking, it's well, how did this happen so yeah. fast? Well, actually, it started very slowly
0: As an infiltrate, to yeah.
1: infiltrate every aspect yeah, of society, was, yeah. of life. It was Godliness generations ago, to tell you the truth, and just like it, it was, I think right now, we are at a tipping point, and I think probably we've I gone past we've, the tipping yeah, point yeah. to tell you the truth. Yeah. And, but there is a miraculous God we serve, and he says, if my people seek his face, repent. Yeah and seek his face, yeah. he'll heal the land. Yeah. But there you go to the same thing. We're we're going to get into
0: yeah.
1: how successful Satan has been in infiltrating uh, the church, because it started, like we said, generations ago, and it was when everybody was looking for knowledge. The Age of Enlightenment, remember that? If you have a history class, and you'd go back to the Darwinism.
0: Origin of life. The whole Origin of, of life. Yeah.
1: How's it go? Oh, Darwinism. This is how it happened. You know, evolution. Here we go. And then all of a sudden now what rises up then is Marxist thinking. And then these things took over the education the schools the universities and then what did we do we threw prayer and got out and when we did that then here comes the idea of we can choose our own truth and we can walk in our own ways and that opens the door for satanic influence and remember the return of the gods anybody remember that book return of the gods jonathan kahn I suggest you actually read that book because this is tells you exactly where we are in the in the realm of reality. Uh, but we take a look at how it's infiltrated culture, all the way to businesses, schools, you know, our court system except one court system that we know of, (laughs) 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 hallelujah. (laughs) Stand firm, brother.
0: (laughs) Well, what's behind it all? Of course, the return of the gods, the book, and we talked about that, it's wicked spirits. Yes, We're talking about a spiritual war again that's happening. And we need to be aware of it. We need to, Jesus said, watch and pray. We need to have discerning minds and hearts. We need to be able to see through this in the culture and then know what to do. You know, because we do see this outright happening in in churches. It's been going on for a long time. This you know infiltration of, but now like you have whole denominations,
1: yes, whole rejecting denominations. the word of
0: God, ordaining mm-hmm. you know lifestyles, homosexual lifestyles. You know, I've read about rebaptisms, people that became you know they. They transgendered. They they changed their gender, and then they got rebaptized as a transgendered person. And I think we have whole deno- we have non-denominational churches, mega churches that are holding. Like I, we're going to show you a couple clips from a huge mega church
1: in, in Tulsa, Tulsa Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Just a minute. If we
0: can, we put the sound on. Be sure the sound on is with
1: this. And us. this this is this is uh, what's happened. This was an Easter service. It looks like it happened last week. If we have the sound with it, yeah. Let me stay back. So, give me a minute and I'll be right back. Got the prints in my dungeon, they said that I couldn't get it. I've been
0: got so sick and filthy with empty. I take free of help. Should be out. I'm getting to the money. I think I'm getting to the
1: money. Easter Sunday.
0: There were some clips. I, we, we wouldn't even actually show oh, we
1: couldn't have shown because these of other
0: what clips. they were doing and talking about uh, now, did that glorify God? No. No. Was there something in your spirit that went hmm oh, yeah. now yeah and and we need to have that wait a minute because really it looked reminded me of what I saw a clip of of the Grammys and the demonic partying that went on at the Grammys. It looked more like a, I think that's what it was supposed to depict, a scene in hell as it went on. I'm not sure it pointed to Jesus. I didn't watch the whole thing. They actually took some of it down because there was so much controversy and public outrage over it. Um, But the church's rationale Excuse for what they're doing, they said it's meant not to reach a church person but an unchurched person, by re-presenting God, not representing God, but they actually use the word re-present. Like we want to represent God mm-hmm. in a more relevant and progressive way. Well, I thought, really. <laughs> You know, I, when you spend time with the Lord and you're reading the word of God and in prayer, he, he'll begin to give you discernment.
1: Amen. Yeah, <laughs> and we need and it today. We
0: need it because here we are, you know, in 2023, we're talking about infiltration in the ch- church. We're talking about Gnosticism 2,000 years ago. Now we're here 2023. You know, behold, the progressive version of the gospel. <laughs> and I think poor Jesus, he didn't know that his message to repent and have your sins forgiven and believe for the sake of salvation and eternal life would become such a boring message, we had to, (laughs) like, spice it up to make people understand. You know, I think, call me (laughs) old-fashioned, but I believe, like it says in in Jeremiah, in the ancient path, like, these are ancient truths, and. They don't really need to be repackaged like that. I mean, I'm going to read to you from Jeremiah 6. It just said, this was the prophet telling Israel, and this was their mistake, because they wouldn't listen to the prophet. He thus says, the Lord, stand by the roads, and look, and ask for the ancient paths, where the good way is, and walk in it. This is what the prophet was saying. And find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. And so a church, you know, I think the church needs to understand what the ancient path is and how we walk it out and what that looks like. Because a church might be mega like this and have thousands of people coming and thousands of followers in social media, but that does not mean it's necessarily pleasing to God or telling the whole story.
1: Yeah, we, no. we just and were so talking the, about Andy Stanley's church. The same thing. Uh, so Jesus... That's 40,000 yeah. people go to that church. And then John wrote this letter. Let's get back to what we're doing. Yeah. John wrote this letter to believers to keep them on track. He's showing and distinguishing light from darkness, truth from error. He, he, it's, listen, it was relevant then. It's relevant now relevant now now did you find first john we're gonna finally get to read it Yeah. what's that it's right right, yeah right Right before second john it's not the gospel of john but we will go to gospel of john so we'll reference it i'm gonna hold your fingers you know let's let's go to First John chapter 1, we're going to go through this book and we're going to really learn what is being spoken by the Spirit of God. He starts this off. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, we have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life. Which was with the Father and was made manifest to us that we have seen and heard. We pro- what we have seen and heard we proclaim to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy might be complete. This is the message we've heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth.
0: Verse seven, but if we walk in the light, as he's in the light, Mm -hmm. we have fellowship with one another. and the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. Verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive mm-hmm. ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins.
1: Hallelujah. And to
0: cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him out a liar mm. and his
1: word is not in us. And his word is not in us. So let's go back to Verse
0: one, yeah.
1: Verse one, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. Now hold your finger there and go to the Gospel of John, Gospel of John chapter one. Yeah,
0: he begins this the same way he does. as he begins the gospel of John.
1: <laughs> it's so great yeah. John opens this in a really familiar way in the beginning <laughs> in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God now the very beginning of the book itself says what? Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created heavens and earth. (laughs) Oh, praise God. Because Jesus is the word of God, he was in the beginning. He was there with the Father. He's the one who created the universe. He's the one who created all things. Colossians tells us he created all things, seen and unseen. Visible or invisible. He says that Jesus upholds all things and keeps it held together. He was, you know, this is really amazing when you think about it. The beginning is a person. The beginning is a person. Now look at what it says here in John, John, the Gospel of John, chapter one, verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as the only son from the father. Full of grace and truth. John says we looked at him. We heard him. We touched him. Listen, it's undisputed that Jesus is a historical person. Nobody can deny that. He's a person that appeared in time. John says we knew him, we had fellowship with him, we lived with him, we ate with him, we slept with him, we traveled with him. We heard his words. John is saying that we, his disciples, touched him. We felt his warm human flesh. We looked into his human eyes. And if you remember on the Last Supper, John did what? He leaned against Jesus' chest, and he heard that heartbeat. Yeah. He heard the heartbeat of God. Yeah whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So his testimony. You know, it's so important because he was an eyewitness. Look at verse 2. We'll go back to verse 2 of this. It says, the life then, the life was made manifest. And we've seen it. (laughs) And we testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life. I mean, talk about a mystery, how the word of God could become flesh and we could understand its meaning through words, but it's a per, Jesus is the word, there's a person in the word of God, which was, he was with the Father and was made manifest now to us. And so, like Pastor C was saying, the apostles could say, like, we saw and heard not just Of course, him, but it was eternal life, like he was the embodiment of eternal life. What a deep mystery to understand. And how thankful we are that the Holy Spirit inspired him to write what he wrote. I mean, Scripture tells us that God's word remains alive. Amen. Like these words are not just ink on a page or some, some words across an electronic screen. Right, if you, yeah. We have to be careful that we hold this as a sacred book, sacred words, alive, powerful, meant to feed our skin, yes. meant to give us knowledge so that we know the way, the truth, and the life. If we hold this book you know, casually, mm. it, will, it will make your life crooked. <laughs> Jesus came to make our path straight. And so we, we're thankful that as we read the words now, it's still the word of life Amen. that we're reading. If Amen. we approach it that way in faith, if you honor the word of God and you open it up and you, you recognize, I can't understand this with my own natural mind. I Come have on. to ask the Holy Spirit. Yes. He's the teacher. Holy Spirit, show me what you mean. teach me as I read.
1: Reveal to me. This,
0: the, our walk with Jesus is about a relationship. It's not about people just coming, doing, serving, just like what we were trying to describe the early church. You could come in and serve and do and do a lot of good outward Christian things and really have no relationship like this with the word of God. Do you see the difference? So the Lord is saying, this is what's most important to to me because this is what's going to refine us, change us and transform our thinking in our life. We could do a whole lot of good outward things and then at home live like the devil. And the God's like, no, no, this is not the way this is (laughs) meant to work, right? So his word is alive. And if we read it in faith, it's scripture is God breathed. Yes. It will become alive to us. So we cannot be like Thomas. You know, I, I think about Thomas whenever he was one of the 12. We had a hard time just believing in this whole concept of, who Jesus was, that he was the Word of God, he died, He rose from uh-huh. the grave, and then he appeared to the other disciples, and Thomas is like, "I'm not going to believe it unless I could put my fingers you know, into the, his nail prints and put my hand into his side. I'm not going to believe it." Well, then, you know, <laughs> eight days later, Jesus appears to all of them, and he basically kind of rebukes Thomas. He yes. says, like Jesus. Jesus says to Thomas,, like, "Put your hand in my side." Put those fingers, you know, in my nail prints here. Don't be unbelieving. Stop being faithless and unbelieving. But yes. believe. And then Thomas, then now he can see it all, touch it all. He's like, "Oh, my Lord and my God." Yes. But Jesus says the most wonderful thing after that.
1: Hallelujah.
0: Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Yes. That fits us today. So we can feel like we're handling Jesus, like we're touching Jesus whenever we read the word of God, that we're fellowshipping with him. We don't have to, like, I, I think about, we have to believe it, we have to know it, yes. for one thing, and obey it. It doesn't need to be repackaged. You know, I think about that, that scene that we saw from that church. You know, it, we need to let it be the governor of our life. Yes. And it will transform our life. It'll transform other people's lives. And, you know, the Apostle Paul, like, warned us in this letter that we should cling to what's from the beginning. That's yes. he starts out. You know, who we knew from the beginning. Let's stick to the, the ancient past. Amen. Hallelujah. And, you know, let's stick to the, what's been true from the beginning. If somebody comes up with something new and this is a new way, you know, we're adding to the package here. This is the way we're going to reach you. We have to go, huh, I'm sticking to the ancient path. That's right. right. I'm sticking to the beginning. And because you, cults.
1: cults, because, false teachers, yeah. progressive churches, okay, And they're going to say, well, we have something a little different. Something in addition, you know. It's new revelation, yeah. <laughs> it's we. You need to add this to the old, or maybe unhitch from the old. Yeah. And it yeah. goes back to we're going to represent God. Yeah. We 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 we'll, we're going to represent Him to you. No, now, this tells good. you this is all infiltrated the church. Yeah. This this is why, like Pastor Mamie says. If you read this in faith, it'll give you discernment.
0: Yeah. And yeah. this
1: discernment will let you know right away, hmm, something wrong with this. Yeah, yeah. And then what we have to do is not get enticed by, well, it looks pretty good. And look it's, at all the people that are there. It must yeah, be. It it's must packed. Be, so yeah. this, you know, just, do you know the majority of people are wrong? <laughs> Or deceived. Come on. There's the majority of people are wrong. <laughs> Wide, Jesus said, is the way to destruction. Yeah. And he says, many find it. Yeah, yeah. He says, narrow is the pathway to life. And few that find it. Yeah. We need to tell these people, you can keep it. Because I'm going to go back to the beginning. I'm going to hold on to what was from the beginning. Yeah. That's why John, we just read it, he frequently says that which was from the beginning. He's calling us back to the beginning. He -hmm. wants us to stay in the beginning. Mm -hmm. He wants us to walk in truth. He wants us to walk in the light. And so this is why this, this, this letter, 1 John, is so important for the church in these days to hold on to, yes. to fight for, and to put this in you. Put this in you. Amen. It's the Word of God. Yeah. It's the Word of God. And the Word of God is our only hope.
0: Yeah, amen. It's our anchor. Yes. It's our light. In a dark world, in a world filled with deception, yes. we need to be able to walk in the light. And we thank God, you know, His Word is a lamp uh-huh. to our feet and a light to our path. And so let's just, um, we're going to just close with some prayer. Maybe we'll have, we have a little bit of time here. Maybe we'll sing a, one of the songs, whichever one, Jesus paid it all. Father, we thank you for this time that we have the privilege, Lord, of reading your word, fellowshipping with you and other believers around the word of God. I thank you for that, Lord. We don't take it lightly. Teach us, Holy Spirit. I ask you to help us, Lord, in in the days to come, the days ahead. Remind us, Lord, of things that you've shown us as we looked at your word today we want to be people Lord who walk in the light we want to hold fast to the ancient of days Yes, you Father are the ancient of days you help are, us Lord you... I, and I pray for our families Father that yes. just like the, the devil's scheme is to come into the church and infiltrate with mindsets you know that veer off of truth to weaken the church, separate the church, Lord. We know that the devil does the same thing in families. And so we pray, Father, that you would strengthen the families in the church, Lord. I pray for unity around the word of God and the purpose of God. May that be the highlight, Jesus, in every family. Jesus, I pray for your lordship over every family, that every family if their knee would bow to your lordship, to their, your purpose for their lives, I pray that you would strengthen our families, Lord, with that kind of unity. So that even no matter what the world is pressing in, you know, with lies and deception around it, there's this strong strength of unity that we have in you. You're, the, you're a mighty strong high tower. Hallelujah. You are a mighty fortress
1: for us, Lord. Your word
0: becomes a fortress for us. We thank you for
1: that you alone have eternal life. Jesus, you said nobody goes to the Father except through you. There's no other way.
0: So if there's anybody in here today, you question, if you die today, am I, will I, do I know Jesus? Have I received forgiveness for my sin? My walking? Am I having fellowship with Him? Because that scripture does say, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. And so this is an opportunity. If you feel like, yeah, I know I've given my life to Christ. Well, then, and there's sin in your life, let the Holy Spirit show it to you so that you can repent. Yes. Be washed clean, just like we, we sing this song. Sin left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. That's what he does when we say, you know, God, I I don't, there is this sin in my life. Name it. And then repent of it. Do this before Jesus. Do this with the help of the Holy Spirit.
1: And if you find yourself that maybe, Lord, I, I am lukewarm, repent of that. Tell him, tell him. Ask the Holy Spirit to help light that fire within you. and return to your first love return to your first love
0: and if there's anyone in here or at the sound of our voice online you want to give your life to Christ you realize I I don't I've never done that wholeheartedly if that's you just raise your hand we'll pray a prayer it's simply a prayer of faith to receive the gift of salvation is yes. there anybody in here that desires to do that today. Today is the day of salvation. Yes. Okay, well, let's just all, let's stand. We're going to sing one, sing through Jesus, paid it all one time, and then we can be dismissed.
1: Oh, Jesus paid it all All to Him I owe Sin had left the crimson stain He washed it by the soul Jesus paid it all Christ crucified. It might be foolishness to the world, but it is the truth. It is God's wisdom, which crushes the wisdom of the world. Christ crucified. Him alone. So praise the one who made my day.